Good morning, Mosaic. Hey, guys, I am so excited to be here today. Um, I'm excited every week, but uh, I'm certainly excited to get to speak in front of some of my favorite people, you know, my church family, about a topic that I think is essential to the, to the Christian walk. What, what I will do the next time, though, that I'm preaching is make sure that it is not immediately after LaRonda, Katie, and Adriel sing, because I feel like after that, uh, there isn't much that needs to be said. But let's pray, and then we'll jump into it. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. We thank you that you're a miracle worker, a promise keeper, a light in the darkness. And not just that, but you've also invited us into that relationship with you that we can take that light, that we can take that um, miracle working, that we can take these things into this earth to proclaim you and to share your dominion, Lord. Today, as we dive into the text, Father, I pray that you would just open up our hearts uh, to the message. Um, Father, I pray that if there's things that we're believing about you that are, that are not of you, Father, that you would prune it from us, Lord, and that you would make our hearts fertile ground for whatever it is you have to teach us today. So we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 So, last week, Noah kicked us off in a series called Love to Love. And the big idea of it is that we are so immersed in God's love. We've been given so much by him. We've been forgiven. We've been blessed we've been loved, and that that love isn't just for us, but it is also for us to take out into the world as well. We're not loved just to receive love. We're loved to also go out and share love. And the illustration he used last week was that of a sponge. And so we had a sponge that was submerged into water. So if I take this sponge, whoo, yeah, that's, that's the illustration there. If I take this sponge and, I, and, and it was removed from the water, everything it comes in contact with will experience water, right? So if I were to touch your shirt with this sponge, your shirt would become wet as if it had experienced water directly. If I were to take this sponge and wipe across the floor, the floor would become slick and wet as if water was poured directly on the floor, as it, had, as it had a direct experience with water. If I take the sponge, though, and I dip it into brown vinegar, and I pick up that sponge out of brown vinegar, you will know that it is not water. When it comes nearby to you, it will have the aroma of brown vinegar. You will know brown vinegar is there. If I touch you with it, and your shirt is white, it will start having a brown tint on it, as if brown vinegar were sprayed at you. Moving on. If I dipped it in bleach and I picked it up, you will know that it's not brown vinegar and it's not water. If I touched your blue shirt with a sponge that had bleach inside of it, it is going to change the color of that shirt because that is what bleach would naturally do to that. If I took this sponge and a chair was dirty and I started wiping it with with the bleach that is inside of here, that chair would then become sanitized because that is what bleach would do 
to that chair. And the same thing goes in our lives. As humans, we're, we're very much like that sponge. The, you know, we, we perpetually drip or, or share what is inside of us. So if I've been filling myself with you know, political banter, when I come in contact with you, it's gonna be a lot of conversation around political banter, right, because that's what I'm filled with. I can't help it, it will naturally flow the same way as water would naturally flow out of that sponge because that's what a sponge does, would be the same thing that would happen to you if I'm filling myself with politics. If I'm filling myself with sports, go blue, and I love my Michigan Wolverines, you know, but we're gonna talk about sports, right? Because that's what I'm filling myself, filling myself with. The lesson here is that we should be filling ourselves with the love of God. We should be immersed, immersing ourselves in his goodness, in his favor, in his righteousness, in his forgiveness, in his generosity. And if we're filling ourselves with those things, that will naturally be the outpouring of us as we come in encounter with people. They will actually have an experience with us as if they were having an experience with the Lord if that's what we're filled with. Now, the same thing with the sponge. The sponge, I could tell you that, hey, this sponge has been sitting in water, but it's actually been sitting in chocolate milk. Now, when that sponge comes and touches you, you'll, you'll start seeing some differences in, in, you know, what was left on you than what was alleged, right? If I said it was water and it's chocolate milk, and then it touches you, it's like, yo, this looks brown. What kind of water is this, right? Maybe my claim is false, right? If, if as you sit in the heat, and it starts to have this smell of spoilage, you're like, wait a minute, water doesn't naturally do that. Why am I having this aroma? It's because the claim was false. It wasn't actually water. It was actually chocolate milk. And so last week, as Noah opened up in a, in a book of John, John took a lot of time to talk about the Jews at that time who had had an encounter with God. They said that they had, they had seen him, right? They had seen him in the flesh. They had, had they had bear witness to his miracles. They, they uh, had evidence of his goodness and his love. They talked about how he came and died and forgave them of their sins. And there's this whole immersion that they've all professed to have in the Lord. But some of those individuals, the fruits and the residue that comes out of them in chapter 2 don't actually reflect the claim in chapter one. And so that's what we're going to jump into. But first, if it's your first time at Mosaic, one of the things that we do is we start with discussion questions um, that you guys will talk amongst in your group. They will not be overly religious. What did I say? I didn't see it. <laughs> of course, Josh. Has <laughs> hey, yeah. It's not six. It's three with two parts. Okay. <laughs> but uh, we'll have web discussion questions. They're not overly religious, but um, they certainly have strong connotations to them. So we're going to take the next five minutes for you guys to jump into your questions. All right, we're going to jump into 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 3. So we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, 
Love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must also live as Jesus did. So, even as it goes with your uh, discussion questions, there are certain lifestyles and certain um, proclamations that we make that have guardrails around them, right? In your groups, we talked about what is a vegan. Well, a vegan is a person that lives a plant-based lifestyle, depending on what level of vegan we're talking All vegans don't eat meat, but some vegans don't even wear leather. Like, some vegans are at a level that anything that has anything to do with the slaughtering or killing of an animal or being produced from an animal, they'll have nothing to do with it, whether it's through appliance, clothing, technology, or anything. But generally speaking, vegans do not eat meat. My wife and I, uh, we have three children. Our oldest is Isaiah, just had a birthday. He's six. My daughter, Aviel, is four, and my son, Zion, is one. If I told you guys that over the last 10 years that I've been living a celibate life, there would, there would render a lot of questions, right? There would be some lot of questions about the Liggins family. But if all of, uh, assuming, you know, in ethics, the, the children are ours, you would say, wait a minute, maybe I just don't know what celibacy is, or... I'm just a liar, right? If I say that I abide by the Dave Ramsey school of you know, financial freedom and every week I'm running up credit card bills of you know, $8,000, you say, well, either you don't understand you know, financial conservatism or you're just lying. The same thing goes with what John is saying here uh, as it pertains to being a Christian, as it pertains to being a follower of Christ. He says that, hey, if you are saying that you've been immersed in this love, if you're saying that you've been forgiven, if you're saying you understand his goodness, if you're saying that, you know, you've lived in his gratitude, but then you're not following his commands, you're either confused about who it is you're in relationship with or you're lying, which are very strong words, right? Because he, he, certainly, he certainly bookends this in the last chapter talking about we've all sinned, you know, and Noah talked about that last week, and that if anybody says that they haven't sinned, that they're a liar, right? And the truth is not in them. And if we say we haven't sinned, then we're making God himself to be a liar. He even starts this next chapter saying, hey, I write to you that you would not sin. So there's certainly that intention, but he says, if you do, we have an advocate with the Father. So he's, John is certainly not saying that, you know, you would have had to live a perfect life from birth. But he is also very strongly saying that if you think that you're a follower of Christ and you're not committed to obeying his commands, you're fooling yourself. And it doesn't even matter if your friends are telling you that too. Just the same way as we said, hey, you know, if you, you believe you're a vegan and you're chopping steaks every week, you know, and your buddies are like, hey, go, go on in your veganness, and they're telling you and supporting you and telling you you're a vegan, it still don't make you a vegan. It makes you and your friends confused. 
And so, God, and so John's putting that pressure on us and saying, hey, you know, when we're talking about dripping Jesus and we're saying that we've, we've been immersed in this, a natural outpouring of that is going to be obedience. And so I know the, the you know, question of today is, man, how, how can we obey God? Like, that's, that is hard. Like, we're saying, hey, to follow his commands, like, we've seen people throughout the Old Testament try that. Seemed like it was impossible. Seems like it's impossible in my life. I got, I have some ideas on uh, how I think we could be better at following the commandments, following the instruction of God, but it requires an exercise. So, this is what I like to do. How, raise your hand if you guys ever played a game as a kid called Simon Says. Is anybody unfamiliar with this game? The game Simon Says goes like this. There is a person whose name is Simon, or not Simon, they are the Simon, and when Simon says something, prefaced with Simon says, you do it. And if the person says something, but they don't say Simon says, then you don't do it. Everybody understand the game? Okay, we're going to play it. Take a few minutes here. We're going to play it. The game starts now. All right, everybody stand up. Let's get going. Stand on up, stand on up, stand on up, stand on up. Okay, everybody that stood up, you are out because we did not say Simon Says. Everybody that is sitting down is still in the game, right? Simon Says. All right. Simon Says that everybody is back into the game, and we're going to start now. Simon Says, stand up. Simon Says, loosen up your shoulders. Get a real relax. We're in church. Roll your neck around. Roll your neck around. Simon says, roll your neck around. All right. Simon says, give yourself a round of applause. Okay, okay. Simon says, follow me. All right, all right. New people are here. Okay, everybody sit down. We're going to start over. We're going to start over. We're going to start over. All right, if you're sitting down, you are out. Okay. Simon says, follow me. How you guys doing? What's up, man? Tom in the house. How you doing, brother? Simon says, roll your arms like this while you follow me. Oh, check this out. Simon says, clap your hands. Where's Brian? Brian, you're not in the game. Simon says you're not in the game. Simon says stop following me. <laughs> Simon, Simon says the game is done. Give yourself a round of applause. Awesome, guys. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Adriel. Thank you, Noah, for your help in the game. So, ways to be obedient. Just in the same way as we played, Simon says, the first step to being obedient is to know the instruction, right? We have to be able to hear the instruction. You have to know what the instruction is. Otherwise, how are you going to be obedient to something? You know, when, I, when my, my dad is a chief master sergeant in the Air Force, and he was very big on children being obedient to their parents. That was a non-negotiable. But one of the ways that we were able to do that was to know the instruction. We knew what that required. And so if we knew what that required, 
we could do it. But what happens if we don't know what the requirements are? It's going to be a lot of confusion, a lot of disconnect, and a lot of things that, that won't happen. Oftentimes, you know, when my wife orders something from Amazon or Ikea and that, they come with these instructions, and I oftentimes go to put them together without following those things at all, which always leads to futility. I've come to learn that, hey, these instructions are here to help me, not to hurt me, and so I followed the instructions. There's no chance we're going to be able to be successful in a relationship with Christ and, and dripping Jesus by living in obedience if we don't actually even know what Jesus has said. It's frankly impossible. So how do we do that? We need to open up our word. We have to be engaged in the Bible. I'm so excited about this series because Noah actually has us trekking through reading the Bible. These aren't just people's opinions. These aren't just ideas. This is from the Lord giving us the instruction on how to live, how to drip Jesus. How do we engage with people? You know, when somebody's, you know, poor and down and out, how do we help them? If somebody, you know, has been stressed or if somebody is, you know, in some sort of a physical situation, how do we pray for them? How, he tells us how to. So if, if our hearts are for loving Jesus and our hearts are for wanting to drip Jesus, we have to have the instruction on how to do that. Oftentimes the Holy Spirit puts it in our hearts as well, even without us having that engagement. But the word is there. We have to be diligent to be in it regularly. Now, here's the thing. As we were going around, there were times that you guys couldn't hear what Simon was saying. You, you were too far away. Simon's talking. Simon didn't stop talking. You couldn't hear Simon because there was music playing, there was noise, there's fans, there's all these things going. And if you feel like you cannot hear from God, do the same thing you did in Simon says you draw closer to him. You get closer. You move closer and closer and closer and closer until you can hear him. You don't just, let, you, don't just you know, sit comfortably like, hey, I'm not hearing from God, so that's it. No. If it's important to you, you will get closer to make sure that you get that instruction because there's nothing more important in this life than, than obeying and following the commands of the Lord. The second part of how to live in obedience is actually follow the instructions. I know that sounds very simple. That sounds very simple, but it's not often done, particularly, I think, in our Christian society. Like, we are, we are good at, in our circles, discussing, debating, studying, but the doing is kind of hit or miss, right? It's almost like, I heard, I heard a pastor once, uh, Francis Chan, talk about, it's like, it's almost like a parent telling their kids, go clean your room. And the kids are like, clean your room, clean your room, I got it, clean your room. They recite it, clean your room. They memorize it, clean your room. They wrote it down, clean your room. They made posters of it, put it around a house, clean your room. They, they learned the root word of clean in Latin and Greek, and they shared it with their friends. You know, the Hebrew word for clean is this and that. They do it at their Easter programs and Sunday mornings. They talk about clean your room, clean your room, clean your room but they never actually clean the room. That's a problem. The parent is happy that you understand the instruction, but if you're not actually going to do it, what then is even the point of understanding the instruction? 
it makes the instruction irrelevant, right? So when God is saying to make disciples, to proclaim the gospel, to share the good news, to bring the good news to the brokenhearted, to visit those that are in prison, to take care of the widow and the orphan, it does us no good if we just memorize that. We actually have to do it. And if we know that and then aren't doing it, then it leads to the question of, are you actually authentic? Is this actually real to you? Have you actually been forgiven? Have you actually experienced his love? Because if you did, the natural outpouring of that would be a result of. We call the, and when I taught math, we call these if-then statements. Right? It's, a logical, it's, a, it's a logic exercise. If this, then that. If vegan, then eat plants. You know, if you know, financially conservative, then no running up credit cards. If Christian, then obeying. And that's something that because of the, the ocean of mercy that God's you know, given us, because of the you know, galaxy of grace that he's given us, we've kind of taken that whole obedience portion of it and made it kind of negotiable. But it ain't negotiable to God. It's actually a litmus test. You know, we're saying, hey, are you authentic in what we're saying? The third part of it, I think, of how to live obedient is protect yourself from being misled. While we were playing Simon Says, Noah comes in, and he gave the group some instructions. Noah's a great guy, you know, has a lot of influence here, you know, has, has been led by the Lord to found this church. But Noah was not Simon. And so we listened to Noah and then sat down, and, and Noah was used to lead people astray. Adriel over here getting people to do the bankhead bounce, or he asked them to do this. It's leading people astray. And guys, we have to, this, this has been since the beginning of time. The serpent, right, comes in the garden. Did God really say? And if you don't know what God really said, if you don't know the instruction for yourself, you will fall prey to that. And so a life of obedience, it's, it, it is available to us. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live obedience. We can bear those fruits, but we have to know the instruction. We have to follow the instruction, and we have to protect ourselves from being misled. The second part of the scripture, going back to the book of John chapter 2, he says, yet I am writing you a new command, actually a little bit earlier than this. He says, dear friends, I am not writing you a new, a, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have, you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. So here's John again, giving another litmus test to us, challenging 
our, our, our claim of being followers of him. He's saying, hey, a good way for you to tell if you're actually following him, do you love your brothers? Do you love brothers and sisters? Um, when, when Christy and I started dating, I don't know if I shared this story before, but Christy and I started dating in college back at Cornerstone University, you know, who just got a new awesome long jump coach. Uh, it's about to make them national champions, if y'all didn't know. Uh, <laughs> when Christy and I started dating, uh, at the end of that school year, I took her home to drop her off to her dad. Now, I had not met her dad before, I'd never seen her dad before, and I had had, you know, because of how my mother raised me, I certainly had a respect for women and a respect for Christy and how you go about courting and dating or whatever they called it at Cornerstone at that time. Okay. So I drop her off, and her dad opens the door. This guy had to be about 6'4 and like 350 pounds. He looked bigger than anything on the Detroit Lions, and the Detroit Lions were sorry at the time, but bigger than anything on the Green Bay Packers, bigger than most linemen in the NFL. Let me tell you guys something. Had I not had a, you know, respect and a certain ethics in dating, I certainly would have had a respect for Christy purely based upon who her dad is. Purely. I did not want, as the young people say today, I did not want any smoke with him. Period. I didn't want to be in any situation where he questioned how I was treating his daughter. I wanted to make sure I was above board. So if Christy was, had said something to me or did something to me that upset me or whatever, my response was always measured because I did not want to, and still to this day, don't want to have any problems with Pastor Tim Bean. In the same way, I asked the question, when we're engaging with people, do we look at them based on who their father is, based on who their heavenly father is? Because if we saw them that way, we would probably treat them differently. If we, if we saw them as their dad being the king of kings, the lord of lords of the entire universe, the creation of it all, and also in respects to, I didn't have this with Pastor Bean, but also in light of all that he did for me and all the things that he's forgiven me of and all the times that he's supported me and all the love, right, we said all that I've been immersed in, I'm going to respond to them a certain way purely based upon that. If we're not doing that, then the question becomes, have we been immersed in that love? We were driving down um, 131 recently. My kids gave me a master class in this. They, they often do that. God, God uses my kids to teach me things pretty regularly. It's, it's pretty incredible. This one was kind of humbling. Um, we come off the wealthy exit on our way to church here, and there's a homeless guy that's at the, at the corner. My, my family certainly raised us in generosity. I rolled down a window. I'm like, bro, I don't have anything on me, man. I ain't no cash. I ain't got no water. I ain't no chips. I ain't got nothing, man. I'm so sorry. And a dude was like, 
brother, it's no problem. God bless you. Thanks for rolling down your window and saying hi. And, and I was like, cool, I'm on my way because I'm already running late to church because y'all know I don't, I don't show up on time. Okay. Well, my children are in the car, and they're like, hey, Dad, why'd you call him your brother? And I was like, um, and before I finished that, Aviel asked, is that your brother? Now I'm, now I'm stuck, right? Like, I'm like, well, if I say no, he's not my brother, then they say, why are you lying? And it's like, and if I say yes, that is my brother. See, I know there's some, there's, I know where they're going already. We have a, a saying in our house with our, with our kids, if you can ask them even today, if you ever see my kids ask them, what do brothers and sisters do? It's love each other, help each other, and protect each other. And they saw the way that I was engaging with this guy wasn't that. And they asked me, it's like, why is your brother standing out here on the side of the road? And I was like, because he's homeless. And he needs some food. He needs some water. He's hoping some people drop him off. He was like, your brother is homeless? Your brother don't have food? It's like, well, why don't you get him some food? And my reason at the time was because I'm running late to church, and I love Jesus, so I need to get to church. And they, they put it on. They put it on me. They said, that's your brother, and you're going to leave him out there? It changed my, I was saying that this is my brother, but if that was actually my little brother Judah, oh, I'd, I'd probably picked him up. Like, yo, what if we had stopped everything? Was I treating him that way? No. And so we stopped. And also, you know, you have the thoughts in your mind, is this dude conning me? You know, is he trying to take my money? Da, da, da. But I was like, man, this dude was, was saying, God bless you to me. I don't think there's any more evidence, you know, that a person out there, you know, that's standing on the side of the road saying, hey, even though you don't have anything to give me, I still pray that God blesses you today. So we stopped. We went to a gas station. We picked up. I, I've never spent more in a gas station in my life, bro. We, my kids were snatching everything from this dude. I don't, I don't even think he was carrying it. I think he was giving people snacks as they were coming off the freeway after it. But it's how we perceive each other. How do you look at a person? If this is your brother, you're going to engage with them a certain way. And so my challenge to us, you know, this week, as we're dripping Jesus, a couple things to consider is are we dripping Jesus in obedience to the Father? Because if we're not in obedience to the Father, then we're dripping something, but it ain't Jesus. It ain't. You know, it, 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 there may have been something contaminated in the water or, you know, it might, some vinegar might have got in it, but that's not, if it is not in obedience to his instruction and his word, then it's not dripping Jesus. And the other part of it is that a clear sign to if you're dripping Jesus is if you're loving your brother. Loving your brother, being there for them, being there for your sister. You know, that, that should be, it should be such a radical movement of that inside of the church that it should dispel all of the things that the world says that we can't do. We currently have a multi-ethnic, intentionally anti-racist, intentionally multi-ethnic church because the world says that that's not possible. The world says that we cannot live in harmony that way. And it should be in the church that people should be able to look at church and say, yeah, I hear you, but, but what about Mosaic? But what about Res Life? 
But what about this spot? But what about that spot? What about all of these churches? It should be a norm of the church that we love each other so radically that it kills any of these myths that it's not possible. And the only way that we're going to do it is if we're following his instruction, if we're immersed in his love, and if we're dripping Jesus around us. Amen? Let us pray, and then Noah will come up and uh, lead us in communion, which should be a daily, a regular reminder for us of the amount of love that was poured out on our behalf. Father, we thank you again for your love and grace. We thank you for your word, the instruction that you've given us, Father. You have not left us out here in confusion or in the dark, not knowing, not having an opportunity to know what it looks like to live a life in the light with you, Father. I pray that as a community, we would, we would live in the light, Lord, that we would be radically different than the darkness, Father, that we would show the world as you intended, what a relationship with you is like. And Father, a relationship with you is one where we obey your commands, where we forgive others that, that, that the world says shouldn't be forgiven, where we will love people that the world says are probably taking advantage of us, that we would visit people in prison rather than rightfully um, incarcerated or wrongly incarcerated, Lord, you don't give any distinction we, that we would visit people in prison and bring them good news, that we would be there for the widow, that we would be there for the orphan, Lord, and that as brothers and sisters that look different, that are different height, that are different um, melanin grades, Lord, whether we're black, white, Asian, or anything in between or around, Lord, that in this place, like your word says, there would be no distinction. There would be no distinction between Jew or Gentile, Lord. We would all be one in you. And we thank you for that hope and pray that we would live it out in the name of Jesus. Amen.